Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Take your Bible and quickly go with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to begin something that I think will turn into a few weeks. We'll see where this goes, but I was very stirred. Um, actually, it was out of a personal encounter, just to be quite honest with you. It was a personal encounter I had with God, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost came on my life in a fresh way. And uh, I haven't shared much about it. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Um, but I will tell you that God began to speak to me about the anointing. And I want to talk for the next couple of weeks about the anointing. And I want to preach a message this morning. Start a series maybe. We'll just see what happens. Called Anointing Fall on Me. How many want the anointing to fall on you today? I said, how many want the anointing to fall on you today? I want to preach from the book of 1 John. This is not the gospel of St. John. This is what some would call Little John. It's, uh, if you go to Revelation and take four lefts, you will find 1 John. It is page 1074 in my Bible. Amen. We're going to get the word today. We're going to get the word today. How many know we need the word? And we need the word of God to speak to our lives and to shape what's going on in this season. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I want to tell you today, if there's everything, it, I don't want to be heard, I need to hear. I don't just want to be heard, I need to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to my spirit in this hour. How many know we need an understanding of the times that we are living in? And we don't need a perspective that has been given us, and we don't need to be informed by secular people who do not know the mind of God. We need to be informed by the Holy Ghost as to what he's saying in this hour. Somebody say amen. And I want to hear what the Lord is saying. First John chapter 2, 1 verse, verse 20. Somebody say that before we jump in. Say, anointing fall on me. Uh, come on, ask God. Say, Lord, let your anointing fall on me. Verse number 20, when you have it, say, I have it. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Now that sounds a bit strange for the writer of John to look at his church and tell them, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. He's not trying to puff them up with pride and make them know it alls. What he's saying is, if you will understand the anointing within you, it'll teach you everything you need to know. And I know that's what he's talking about because he actually says, and we're going to talk about this next week in the purpose of the anointing. He says the anointing teaches you. And some people think that they read the Bible and learn and you need to read the Bible. But the Holy Ghost in you can make the scripture come to life so that you know. How many have ever read the Bible and still didn't know anything, but then you read the Bible and the Holy Ghost in the anointing taught you something and you came out with a knowledge you couldn't have known by yourself? Somebody say amen. So I want to talk about the anointing this morning and I want to preach anointing, follow on me. Jesus, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall on us. 
I pray right now, God, that on 12 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, the spirit of wisdom and revelation rest on this house. These people take us from glory to glory and move us, God, in Jesus' name, into position for this hour. And the church said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I was raised in Pentecostal church. When you get raised in Pentecostal church, you hear phrases that you don't hear anywhere else. And uh, you see things you don't see anywhere else. And some of you have started coming to our church, and, and you, know, you don't even know why you come except you like something you've never seen before, maybe. you checking us out, you say, well, you know, I feel something down there. Growing up, I heard all kind of phrases, saw all kind of things, some things I understood, some things I've come to understand. How many have ever heard the phrase, that was anointed? Lift your hand if you ever heard that before. That preaching was anointed. That singing was anointed. Uh, that person is anointed. What do we mean when we say something is anointed? I think for an appropriate and a well-rounded understanding of what anointed, being anointed means, we have to go back and dig a little bit in the Old Testament, and then we got to reach over in the New. Because the uh, subject of the anointing is something that spans both the Old and the New Testament. It is not just something that Pentecostal churches learned a hundred years ago, but the anointing is something that God released from the old covenant all the way into the new covenant. And if you have an understanding of what it represented, even metaphorically, what it represented in the old covenant, you will understand in a deeper way what the anointing of the Holy Spirit is. I want to tell you this, whether you completely understand it or not, everyone in here should be hungry to be anointed by God. Growing up, we anointed everything in the church. If you walk up here and look at this altar, you will see oily fingerprints on this altar. If you look at them speakers, you will see oily fingerprints on them speakers. Go over there and look at them drums, those cymbals, a guitar. You'll see a fingerprint with the anointing oil that's been placed on all of it. Look at those doorposts on the way in. You'll see a handprint with some oil up on the doorpost. Come to my house. Go in my front door. You'll see some oily fingerprints over the door. Walk through my kitchen. Go to my office. You'll see some oily fingerprints on my desk. My car that I drive, my truck that I drive, I anointed it with oil. I anoint everything I have. All my kids' cars have anointing oil on them because I believe what you have faith for, God will set it apart and use it for his glory. And in the old covenant, when they built the tabernacle in the wilderness, the Bible said that they mixed a combination of olive oil and cinnamon and cassia, and they put all kinds of uh, uh, aromatic, uh, aromatic fragrances in the oil, and it smelled wonderful. How many have ever been anointed with good prayer oil? I'm not talking about that rancid stuff that's rotten up in some olive oil container up under the you know church pew, and it's 20 years old, and people fall out when they get it for the wrong reasons. It just it smells real bad. I'm talking about you ever been anointed with the good stuff, and it smelled strong. That's the anointing oil. Imagine walking through the outer court, the inner court and the holy of holies of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and you smell that wonderful aroma. Why would you smell that aroma? Because every piece of furniture, the curtains, everything in the tabernacle, watch, had been anointed with oil. And the reason that God had them anointed with oil is so that it could be set apart and used for the purposes of God. We are not anointed because of our denomination. We are not anointed because of our Pentecostal persuasion. We are anointed because we, we believe that when God anoints something, he sets it apart and says, that is mine 
she is mine, it is mine, he is mine, and I'm gonna use his life or her life or that, that, that instrument or whatever it is, I'm gonna use it for my glory. How many want to be anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit so that your life cannot belong to the world? Your life does not belong to, the, to darkness. Your life belongs to God. And every breath you breathe is going to be used for his glory. Come on. If you're a preacher, you're going to preach in the anointing. If you're a singer, you're going to sing in the anointing. If you're a businessman, you're going to do business in the anointing. Where's my help at? If you're an athlete, ask God to anoint your athletic ability with his anointing so that everything about your life can be empowered by God for the glory of God. And in the Old Testament, they would anoint everything and they put oil on everything. And I don't have time to talk about the oil today, but, but the oil is always a type and a symbol metaphorically. It is a type and symbol of the, of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of the most Powerful images of the anointing found in the Bible is in the prophet Isaiah, the 10th chapter and the 27th verse. And if they'll throw that up on the screen, you will understand what a little bit about how the anointing works. Now, the anointing, when, it's, when we talk about the anointing oil, how many know that oil is fat? Come on, talk to me. Oil is fat, whether it's Crisco or olive oil or sesame seed oil or sunflower oil. If you look at the ingredients on the back of a bottle of oil, it is loaded with fat because oil is fatty. Are you following what I'm talking about? And when we talk about anointing someone with something, we are not talking about staying skinny. We are talking about the fat of the Lord. I'm getting ready to either offend you or break somebody out of religion and break you through into abundance because God doesn't need a skinny church in 2023 that is anemic and broke down and malnourished and got no strength. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you sit by me, we're about to get fat together. God needs a, oh, oh yes, God needs a, 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 a church of expansion. God needs a church that has increase. God needs a church that is not malnourished and barely getting by. We need to swell up under the anointing. Come on, don't get offended. I'm talking to somebody. When Esther came before the king, Esther could not just prance up into the king's presence for a year. They fattened her up and soaked her in oil so that when she stood before the king. She wasn't weak and anemic. She was strong and had vitality. Look at somebody tell them the church needs to get a little bit more meat on the bone. We need to get a little, we need to swell in the anointing. I keep wanting to say it, but somebody's going to get offended. But let me just say it since I don't even care. We need to get fattened up. Don't bring me no keto biscuit. I want some Crisco in that biscuit. Come on, somebody. When you talk about the anointing, you're talking about the fat, the oil. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Watch this. God is talking through the prophet about the oppression of Syria, Assyria. Assyria had put in its yoke the people of Israel. It's an image, it's metaphoric. God was saying to the prophet, 
My people are like the ox and the enemy of Assyria is like the yoke that's on Israel's neck. And whenever you put a yoke on the neck of an ox, you steered the ox and you guided the ox and you took the ox into the place and the direction you wanted the ox to go. And what God was telling Isaiah is that my people have been in a yoke, the yoke of Assyria. And the yoke of Assyria is around the neck of my people. And Assyria is steering my people. And he's guiding my people. And my people are under their oppression. And my people are under their direction. But he said it will come to pass in that day. Look at your neighbor, tell him we're living in that day. Ah, come on, tell your neighbor, say we're living in that day. He said it'll come to pass in that day that the yoke that's on their neck will be destroyed. The burden that's on their shoulders will be destroyed. How is the, is the burden going to be lifted? How is the yoke going to be destroyed? He said, I'm going to put an anointing on them. I'm going to fatten up their neck. And what used to fit around their neck is not going to fit no more. I'm about to break them out of their bondage and I'm about to set them free. Oh, some of y'all looking at me like you want to be skinny the rest of your life. But in 2023, we don't need a skinny church. We need a church with the anointing of God on their life. They need to swell up and grow. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them it's time to be anointed. It's time to be anointed. And he said in that day, the anointing oil will come. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost will destroy the yoke. Now here's what this means. When the ox, when the ox would, uh, let me read it to you. In biblical times, when an ox was yielded or subservient to the plowman, he did not resist his lead. And whenever the ox did not resist the steering of the plowman, his neck would grow. And his neck would keep growing so long as the ox was yielded. And it would grow so much that the plowman would have to put a new yoke around his neck because the old yoke, the old, the old yoke, the oxen had outgrown it because he was yielded. The more yielded he was to the plowman, the bigger his neck got. I feel like preaching right here. There's a reason why the enemy can't have your future. I don't know where you've been, but I'm glad you finally got here. There's a reason why the enemy can't have your future. It's because your yes to God is giving you a fresh and new anointing and the more you say yes to God the less the enemy is able to control your life we use we usually say something like this rebuke the devil and he will flee but that is not what your Bible says the Bible does not say rebuke the devil it said submit yourself to God Two, resist the devil. And three, the devil will flee. You cannot rebuke a devil when you have not first submitted yourself to God. Some people want to rebuke the devil until their rebuker breaks down. But you can save your rebuke and just say yes to God. If you keep on saying yes to God, it'll make you resist the devil. And if you resist the devil, he will not be able to hang around your neck. He will flee from your life. Let me say it like this. The anointing grows through obedience. 
Your anointing increases through your yes to God. People who are rebellious talk to me, Saul. You can't keep the anointing if you ain't going to obey God. Y'all are quiet. I guess it's chicken time, 12-12. Some prophetic about it. Somebody in here needs to get serious about the anointing. You can go through all your machinations and all your spiritual chanting and all your rebuking and binding and ta-ta, na-na all you want. Until the oil comes on your life, nothing in hell listens to what you have to say except you have the anointing on you and the authority of the Holy Ghost up on the earth. You better understand this. I don't just need to be anointed to preach. I need to be anointed to raise my kids. I need to be... A do you need the anointing to go to heaven? I need the anointing to go to Walmart. I need the anointing to raise my kids, have my marriage, pastor this church. I don't want to do anything without the oil. The problem is in most places we are content with skinny church. Skinny church, you know, we don't want to offend nobody. We don't want to stir up nothing. We don't want to cast out devils. We don't want to pray for the sick. We want altars to be clean and nice and no, no tears flying, no snot flying, no problems, no drop cloths. We don't even have drop cloths in the church because nobody falls out. There ain't no anointing anymore. We're in a hurry. Get them in. Get the money. Get them out. The devil is a liar. Our neck is getting ready to swell. God wants his people fat and anointed. So when you start talking about the anointing, you're talking about expansion. Growing. Birthing. Birthing. You men in here, you can't talk to me about birthing. Because other than spiritually, men have never birthed anything. The sisters know about birthing. When you start getting ready to birth, things start expanding. Somebody said to me, why do y'all have so many kids? Because when Devin got pregnant, Devin liked Mexican food. She hates Mexican food every other day of her life until she gets pregnant. And then she wants to go to Mexican four times a week. So I just kept her pregnant. That's a true story. That's a true story. I said, girl, come on. Nine more months of prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Cheese dip queso, Guatemala. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a whole box of clothes in our, in our, some of y'all laugh. Just laugh. You're religious, crazy looking. Don't intimidate me one lick. We're going to have a good time in the house of the Lord every Sunday. Hallelujah. I got a whole box of clothes in my attic. It says, Devin's pregnancy clothes. She can't wear them in every season. 
But there are some seasons when she's getting ready to give birth that the clothes she's been in don't fit in that season and things are growing. And I feel like I need to tell some of you the reason some of you are uncomfortable is because you are trying to treat this season of preparation like everything's okay. I feel the Holy Ghost. Everything's all right. Listen, we notice this about you. You are growing. You are expanding. And there's nothing wrong with it because it is an announcement that something is on the inside of you that in very very near season is not going to be able to stay inside of you much longer. You are actually getting ready to give birth. In fact, I almost brought a sign to put up in this room. This is not just a church building. It is a labor and delivery room because there are people on every row who are full of something in God and what is inside of you is not going to stay inside of you forever. Slap your neighbor, tell him, excuse me. I am due. I'm about due. I don't fit in what I used to fit in. I can't act like I used to act. It's a season of birthing in my life. If I'm talking to you, holler at your boy. Swell. Grow. Increase. You preach this and people are like, oh, we got to talk about this. Everybody's trying to lose weight. I get it. I am too. I know what you're talking about. But in the spirit, God is increasing his people. Because skinny church won't get it done. And when I looked at this whole principle of the anointing, I'm going to go into the New Testament some next week. But this week, I want to talk about the anointing from the perspective of the Old Covenant. Because in the Old Covenant, God anointed furniture, and he anointed instruments, and he anointed people. And he even let theocratic oil rest on certain people to be king. And he tried it on Saul. But Saul was not God's choice. Saul was the people's choice. And the reason Saul was the people's choice is because Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And when it come time for Israel to want a king, they wanted a king that intimidated the army based on his stature. Oh, I feel like preaching here. But for a season, Paul, uh, Saul had the oil. But even though he had the oil, he didn't have the right heart. I need to preach something about the anointing. The anointing on your life does not empower you to be a jerk. I'm going to go over here and try that. I said, if you're anointed, you are not anointed to be a jerk. You are not anointed to tell me how awesome you are. If you're truly anointed with the oil of the Holy Ghost, you can be a servant and be kind and actually have the fruit of the Spirit. I am sick and tired of preachers who are anointed and also a jerk. You need to be kind. Well, I'm anointed. And uh, because I'm anointed, I boss people around. You need to read the Bible. Serve. Be kind. You got six bodyguards and 12 people in your church. Let me talk to all of my young preachers in here and online. Shepherds smell like sheep. 
untouchable. Even Jesus was touchable. So I don't let that mess get in my mind. I hug people. I talk to people. I try my best to keep. You see, I get 100 phone calls a day and 100 messages a day and 1,000 on emails and Facebook. And, but if I can, I let people know I love them. Devin and I are praying and we're covering you in prayer. There's a lot of people pulling, but at the end of the day, a shepherd in the kingdom of God is not given the permission to treat people just, I'm talking to somebody right now, the anointing on God, of God on your life will not enable you to be a jerk. Get another anointing if your anointing makes you mean. I should smile when I'm saying this, I suppose. <laughs> David, watch this, 16, 15, 16-year-old 16 boy. Saul is the king. But Saul rebelled against God. And in his rebellion against God, God tore the kingdom from him. And God told Samuel in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 1, he asked Samuel a good prophet, a hard question. How long will you mourn over Saul? Because I, I did anoint him for a season, and my people wanted him to be the king, and they put the oil on him, but I'm not giving him the kingdom. I got my eye on somebody else. I came to preach not to the people who stand head and shoulders above every else, everyone else. I came to talk to the people who are almost overlooked and oftentimes missed in the church because your stature doesn't make you as tall. Uh, I'm not talking about your physical. I'm talking about even in life, you don't feel like you measure up. Even in life, you don't feel like you're gifted enough. You don't feel like you're strong enough. You don't feel like you're able enough. You don't feel like you're educated enough. And the enemy got you in a mindset while you're on the backside of a sheep field dealing with some sheep that you will always be dealing with these sheep and you will always be a nobody from nowhere going nowhere having nothing I want to tell you David let me talk to David I want to tell you that your faithfulness in the sheep field is what captured heaven's attention what you've been doing while nobody's looking is about to empower you to do what everybody wants to do while everybody is looking so God says to Samuel how long are you gonna cry over Saul leaders I don't care how bad you want them to be anointed. If they rebel against God, stop crying and move on. I have wasted more time as a leader in my life mourning over people who I wanted to live right and they didn't want to live right. And I had to hear the Lord say to me, how long are you going to cry over that? How long are you going to mourn that? How long are you going to be soaked up and all upset and taking it out on everybody else who loves you? How long? Are you going to mourn over Saul? Seeing I rejected him. Rise. Almost through. Go to Jesse's house. For in his house is the next king. Here's what I want to talk about. Saul went to Jesse's house with a horn full of oil. The Bible says that David brought, pardon me, Jesse brought his sons out. Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah, all of them marched out waiting on Samuel to say, that's the one, that's the next king. They all come out, they're all strapping. They got it all together. I think they're all studs. They look like something that stepped out of a GQ magazine. I mean, they're bad to the bone, chiseled out the side of a mountain. Oh, Heliab, Abinadab, Shama, they bad to the bone. Surely one of these are the king. And Samuel says, I know God sent me here, but I don't feel that any of these are the king. 
So he sends them all back out again. And they, this is all in 1 Samuel 16. And so they all walk back out. Eliab, Shammah, Abinadab, strapping young men, and the oil does not flow. Hmm. I know God said the next king is in this house. Do you have any other children? <sighs> Are you for real? I got one more son. Come here. Look out the back door. <laughs> he opens the back door. There, standing out on a rock in the backyard is a little shepherd boy. Anybody got a tambourine? Tell me that's the slowest you've ever moved in your life. Yeah, I'm kidding. It's fast. How many love Pastor Tobin? Come on. How many love Pastor Tobin? He says, he says, he says, come, come, come out here and look. I hear him, but I don't see him. Okay. Oh, thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you. I love you. You remind me of David. Hallelujah. He really does remind me of how I imagine David to be. Glory to God. He says, come out here. I got one more son, but I know you can't be for real. This cannot be the next king. And he opens the back door, and out there, standing on a rock with a whole bunch of his daddy's sheep, David's going, come on, y'all, help me praise the Lord. And the sheep are going, ah, wow. And David is screaming and hollering and shouting and shabaking, and he's twirling in a circle, and I can see him shaking his tambourine. And Jesse looked at the prophet and said, you cannot be serious. That is not the next king. And Samuel says, everybody stand up. Don't do it. But he said, everybody in the house, stand up. We will not sit down until that young man comes into this house. Why? Because you can't be seated in heavenly places until you get the king in the midst. I wish I had some help that would help me preach in here. He said, come in here, David. And when David come in, his brow is sweaty. His hands are red from clapping. His voice is, is tired and hoarse from shouting and singing. And all of his brothers are looking at him and they cannot believe that this would be the next king. But when Samuel elevated the horn over his head the oil started at the top of his head I feel the Lord and it flowed all the way down to his feet nobody understood it nobody agreed with it even his own daddy couldn't believe God was about to raise him up to be king but I come to tell you God does not look on the outward God looks on the inside the anointing of the Holy Ghost is not about how tall you are it is not about how gifted you are. It is not about how educated you are. God is not looking for your He's not looking for your strength. He's looking for your yes. If you give him a yes, he'll give you the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Watch. This is what I came to tell you in three minutes. Just kidding. He anointed him in 1 Samuel 16 as a teenager. That is not the only time he was anointed. Go to 2 Samuel. That next one I gave you, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4. This 
is about 12 years later. Now watch this. God anoints him in 1 Samuel 16 and commissions him in that anointing. Do you understand what happened right after he got anointed? He kicked Goliath's tail and cut his head off with his own sword. Don't miss what I'm getting ready to tell you. And you might have thought because he was anointed and had the head of the giant that he would go sit down on a throne. But he didn't. You know where he went? Back to the sheep field. I'm getting ready to say some things right here. Because the anointing does not exempt you from faithfulness and commitment and sticking with your father's sheep. Sometimes you've got to stay in the sheep field. Sometimes you've got to let... Uh-huh. You've got to let imposters sit on your seat and they're not even anointed to sit there. You are, but you've got to learn how to keep your heart pure even when somebody has your seat. God, I feel like preaching right here. Am I talking to anybody? Have you ever had a job lined up and your name was on that seat and somebody was sitting in your seat? Have you ever had a spouse lined up and somebody came and took her, took him, and you say, wait a minute, God, what is going on here? You told me, that's why, that's why people make fun of me when I talk about Devin, but there were five or six guys at Lee University and all I'm going to come up and say God show me God show me you was going to be my wife and I was rebuking them I said oh no devil you a lie I would tell her you need to put the devil out of your mind and under your feet and they just kept coming up God show me well I want to tell you God show me and the reason I know he showed me is because I put a ring on it and she's sitting right here on the front row today no you got to quit fighting over your seat. If God told you you were anointed for it, the devil don't have an agent bad enough. The devil don't have an imposter strong enough to take your seat, slap your neighbor, and tell your neighbor, chill out. You gotta learn how to chill out. Your seat has your name on it. Your seat has your name on it. So you got to keep the fruit of the Spirit while you're in the process. Saul is an imposter, but he still, God fired him and still let him work for him. I said it right. God fired Saul and allowed Saul to still work for him. I need to talk to David. I'm done here. David, quit getting in the flesh, arguing over a seat that you know God gave you. Because I'm going to tell you this. This scripture lets me know that it's when your time, when it is your time. No hater. No hater. Well, I got haters. Listen, you just chill. We don't need to talk about haters. We need to talk about the purpose of God. No hater can keep you from your purpose. David was anointed as a teenager, but it wasn't until 12 years later that this second anointing happens. Why? Because it's not just one anointing. It's a refreshing that God wants to give you. Somebody in here got an anointing when you were a young person. You haven't felt it in a while. 
and you think, maybe I wasn't anointed. Maybe God didn't mean what he said. Or maybe you just need a refreshing in the anointing. David was anointed as a teenager, and then the Bible said, watch this, that the men of Judah came and anointed him. Y'all know what Judah means. The house of Judah anointed him. There is some anointing that you won't get until Judah puts it on your life. That's why, oh Lord, I better quit because if I go down this road, Julian, I don't know if I'll come back. But that's why I don't understand non-praising people. Praise will release you into a fresh anointing. Judah came and anointed David with his second anointing. And the reason some people never get a refreshing in their anointing is because they come to church and they say things like this. You don't say them out loud, but we say them in our mind. We say things like this, I've matured. I've mellowed out over the years. I've learned it don't take all that. Oh, I haven't learned that yet. I haven't learned that yet. In fact, I want to tell you, I'm a reasonably educated young man. I do not act like I act because of, of what I don't know. I don't act like I act because I'm ignorant. I don't shout because of what I don't know. I actually shout because of what I do know. I actually have learned that praise will keep me in touch with a fresh anointing. There's a reason why people get old and stale in their spirit and they get nasty and you don't want to be around them and I don't care how good they preach, they don't break nobody through. It's because a gift will not break me through. Oh my God. A gift will not break me through. Even a preaching gift won't break people through. If people are going to break into a fresh anointing, they've got to stay appraising people. Well, you know, I got a new title. Yeah, but don't ever let your title replace your praise. You got to learn how to let Judah anoint your head. You got to learn that there's power in Judah. I don't care how big this house gets. I don't care how many campuses we plant. I don't care how many doors God opens. I will bless him at all times. Oh, Lord. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, send up Judah. Send up Judah. Keep your praise. Keep your praise. Praise will anoint you. Praise will break you through. Praise will refresh you. It is this same man who was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And he said, in the middle of the valley, thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, let Judah anoint you. Let Judah anoint you. Somebody get a Judah and give him a praise. If you want a fresh anointing, get a fresh hallelujah. If you want a fresh anointing, get a fresh dance. If you want a fresh anointing, get a fresh shout. Stand up. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like somebody is about to praise their way into a fresh oil. Watch this. Watch this. I'm done. Stand with me. I'm through. The first oil that came from Samuel 
was a birthing anointing. The second was a building anointing. But there was one more anointing that David received since 2 Samuel chapter 5, 1 through 4. Watch the expansion of the anointing. As you grow in the anointing, your influence grows. As you increase in the anointing, your influence and your sphere increases. David was anointed first and killed one giant. And his brothers told him to go back and do what he was supposed to do. So he goes back. Years later, he gets this second anointing from Judah. And he is leader over Judah. Now, this is significant because at this time, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. And they remained this way most of their history. The northern kingdom, which was Israel. The southern kingdom, which was Judah. They were divided. Everyone say divided. That's why Elijah had to heal the altar in 1 Kings 18. When the Bible said he healed the altar, the altar was sick. How? It had been divided into two altars. Ten stones were on this side for Israel. Two stones were on this side for Judah. But he healed the altar. And he put all 12 stones together. Because Jacob's sons were supposed to be a nation, not two different kingdoms divided against one another. So, in this third anointing of David, same man, but a fresh anointing came on his life. And it says all, everybody say all. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke saying, indeed we are bone, we are your bone and your flesh. Keep going. In time past, Saul was king over us. You were the one that led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Next verse. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. Next verse, last one. David was 30. Everybody say 30. You know who else got anointed and set forth into a season of blessing when he was 30. I wish I had a church tracking with me right here. Jesus himself was 30 years old. He was just like his great, 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 great granddaddy David. Same age in his life. Came in that oil. Do you know that David was anointed three times that we know of in the scripture? Do you know how many times Jesus was anointed in the gospels? Three times. Wow. Because every time God changes your season, he freshens your anointing. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. This is crazy. This is where I had an encounter with God, and I won't go into that. But there was an anointing that came on David to bring unity to what was divided. Two kingdoms. David reigned how many years? What? 40. Why don't we hear that preached in the church? All we ever talk about is the 40 years Israel walked in the wilderness. But God redeemed the time. God said, you took 40 years and blew it in the wilderness. I'm going to give you a king after my own heart. I'm going to put an oil on his head. And for 40 years, for 40 years, the two kingdoms, 95% of the time in Israel's history, she was into two kingdoms divided from amongst each other. But under the reign of David, he united what was divided because of the anointing.
I want to tell you this. There is an anointing coming from David's great, 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 great grandson, Jesus Christ. Do you know the anointing on me and the anointing on you was not given to us by a preacher? It is the anointing of Jesus. It might come through a preacher, but it didn't come from a preacher. Well, I want his anointing. No, you want the anointing you see on him, but the anointing you see on him or her is not their anointing. It is the anointing of Jesus. And if you have the anointing, it is because you have Jesus. Because 1 John 2, 20 said, you have an anointing from the Holy One. In the Gospels, they called him Jesus of Nazareth. In the book of Acts, they call him Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. Christ is who he is and what he had. Christ literally means Mashiach. It is the anointed one and his oily anointing. When we say we need a fresh anointing, we don't need a preacher to give us who he is. We need a we need somebody to pray with us and allow who he is to be released through us into people who need a fresh anointing. Somebody in here feels like you're David as a teenager. Somebody feels like you're David at Judah. But I want to tell you, he who started a good work in you will finish it. What song were we singing in, in Cleveland? Anointing, fall on me. Somebody in this room today, you've been anointed, but you know the anointing you've had and the anointing you've experienced is not the anointing you need for where you're going. You need a fresh anointing. Throw your hands up if I'm talking to you right now. Don't be ashamed of it either. If I'm preaching to you, throw your hands up. Anointing fall on me. Anointing, sing it, fall on me. Throw your hands up and say, Let the power. Let the power of the Holy It's real simple today. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. If you need it, throw your hands up and say that as a prayer. Anointing. It's going to fall on you today. Somebody say anointing, anointing. Anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let the power. Let the power of the Holy Ghost. Sing it one more time. If you just need to make a move toward it, I want you to step out of your seat. Come join me in this altar. Sing anointing. Say, fall on me. Come on. Make it your prayer as you come. Anointing. Let it fall on me. Let the power up. Come on, I'm waiting on you. If you gotta go, we love you. God bless you. Fast with us this Monday through Wednesday. See you Wednesday night. 
God bless you. But we're going to pray for people who need a fresh anointing. Everybody say anointing. Somebody pray it like you're desperate for it. Fall on me. Let the power. Come on, family. Fall on me. Throw your hands up and receive it. A fresh anointing, Jesus, of your presence. Sing. Sing. Let your anointing fall. I need a refreshing. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend. I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You'll become everything he put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.